is the Annex of Sociology podcast. I'm Joseph Cohen from Queens College in the City University of New York. Today, we discuss the internal politics of the Women's March. My co-panelists are Leslie Hinkson from Georgetown University, Howard Ramos from Dalhousie University, and Richard Carpiano from the University of California at Riverside. Our discussion was recorded on January 24th, 2019. Past weekend, I went to the Women's March um, in Washington D.C., and um, and it was interesting, right? So I decided to go to the march this year, number one, because I was like, we clearly have not achieved equality yet. So I think I'm going to go there. Um, number two, um, I was disturbed by um, by all of the news stories about the divisions um, with the and and like and then the the splintering off and like the different organizations um, that were now taking this on uh, with one being seen as, you know, as the organization for women of color and the other one being seen as the organization that's against anti-Semitism as though the two cannot coexist. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was like, okay, fine. I'm going to put on my marching boots and I'm going to show up. Um, pretty much just simply as an act of solidarity. And, um, and in some ways it was, it, it felt like a space of solidarity, but in, uh, but there were also some troubling things, right. Mm-hmm. But, or, or rather things that troubled me. Right. So mm-hmm. the first was um, still the preponderance of anti-Trump signage um, mm-hmm. at the March. And here's the thing. I, I, I thought that it was established that, just about everybody marching in those marches was anti-Trump. Um, so, <laughs> so, so can't we move beyond that, right? Because if this is a women's march and this is a march about uh, gender inequality, gender violence, whatever, right? I mean, it's not like Donald Trump got elected and then all of a sudden these things started to exist, right? right. So, so he just seems like a perfect straw man. And so that signage bothered me um, because it was so negative. And I was like, let's see a little bit more positive, positive stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. And then second, uh, and I didn't know how to, like, I was ambivalent about this. So Mm -hmm. number one, there's a huge diversity at the march, right? Mm -hmm. In terms of the types of women's groups, the types of women, like the types of issues, right? And in some ways, that was amazing to see, right? But then in other ways, at one point in time, I was confused. I was like, what what are we doing here again? (laughs) Like, why are we here again? Um, When are we gonna organize around a platform? Or is that not what the march is for? Maybe the Mm -hmm. march is really just to be this moment where we can feel safe in a mass together. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, so, uh, I mean, people were having a, a really good time. People mm-hmm. were really jazzed up once we walked past the Trump Hotel. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and, you know, we like people got into it with um, with like the 
the pro-life protesters at the edge. Um, for the most part, people seem to be very happy to be there, even on such a cold day. And um, in truth, I left right after the march. I decided not to stay for the rally because, number one, I'm a woman and a sociologist, and I think I kind of know what the issues are. <laughs> um, and uh, I, yeah, and. Um, like the whole thing about the leaders of the march, like mm -hmm. I don't even see them as leaders. I see them as, as the people who take care of the logistics, right? Mm -hmm. um, get the, you know, get, you know, get the permit, tell me where to show up and I'll show up. But right. I don't see you as a figurehead, right? You were not Martin Luther King, right? Uh, you were just the, you were the people who make the march possible. And I don't feel as though, We've ha we have someone who's emerged like that for women in the march at this point in time. Well, so. do you think that the leadership should step aside then if they're causing division and they're not integral to the the movement? Should they find different people to file the permits and? Uh... Um, my I so my whole thing is I'm I'm agnostic about it, right? And mm -hmm. and this is why the reason why I'm agnostic about it is because. The people who invited, uh, what's her name, Tamika Mallory, mm -hmm. to be part of the Women's March from the beginning knew mm -hmm. about her ties to the to the Nation of Islam and Louis Farrakhan then. And back then, they saw it as a good thing, right? And then something happened, right, to then make them see it as a bad thing. So that's that, why. Is that is that for sure? Like, did you where did you hear about yeah. that? Yeah. Um, I, so I heard about, so number one, if I knew that, t that Tamika Mallory like had ties to Louis Farrakhan before they even invited her, I don't understand how the women who decided to invite her didn't know that. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, and I, and, and I, and from, and I understand why they were like, Oh, the million man March, if that's going to be a model. Right. I mean, that was led by Louis Farrakhan. Right. Um, if you want someone who has a totally different perspective than I do, then okay, right? And from what we know, she doesn't seem to be anti-Semitic. She just happens to have links to this guy. So, I mean, so, so that's that, right? Mm -hmm. And so if that is the case, my whole thing's like, why was it okay for her to be part of the leadership then, but then it's not okay to be part of the leadership now? Um, and, you know, and also number two, I also don't understand why she would still want to want to lead something that isn't really about something yet. I feel like she, you know, I mean, mm. she could go do something else. So I think it's up to them to make that decision. As I said, I was like, I wasn't there for the leadership, regardless of who they were. I mm. wasn't there to hear anything they had to say. I was there to actually be in a space to be with people who I who I assumed were all in for the cause of gender equality like uh, I, I was supporting the uh, the splinter groups only because like my reaction to Farrakhan is very negative right oh, I get you yeah well I mean he's you know he he targets my ethnic group with hate speech so it's oh like, yeah so I, I remember we had this discussion like I would expect people to react to a if if a, if a, an organization was led by someone who worked with David Duke or you know I would expect 
people to react in a particular way. And I would expect that similar reaction for those who work with Farrakhan. What do you think about like the idea that just because a leader associates with Farrakhan, um, you know, it, the, the, the marches is, is ripe for, uh, for boycott. Like, should we boycott things that are associated with white nationalist leaders as well? Or is it something where just because someone is tied up with a, a white nationalist or an anti-Semite, we shouldn't uh, blame people for the company they keep? Well, I don't know. Like, as everyone who has been talking about it has said, including one of the women who um, who supposedly said that or supposedly charged Mallory with anti-Semitism, she herself said, look, that relationship is totally complicated, right? Mm -hmm. And part of the relationship is that, you know, her husband got murdered and and Farrakhan, like, came and took care of her and her family, and he basically acted as a mentor, right, and helped to make sure that she didn't break apart and her family didn't break apart, right? And so that's why I made that comparison last time when I was like, oh, so what are you going to do? Not invite Uncle Bob to Thanksgiving dinner, right? Um, you know, the, with the difference being that maybe Uncle Bob doesn't have a platform where he speaks to thousands and thousands of people, but he still holds like very nasty, very ugly beliefs, right? Mm -hmm. Should 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 I, if I were your friend, for example, and I knew that you still invited your Uncle Bob to Thanksgiving dinner, should I tell you, well, you either have to disassociate yourself from your Uncle Bob or we can't be friends anymore? Uh, I, I don't what know. What if I invited David Duke to dinner? Well, are you, are, are you, so is David Duke your uncle? <laughs> David Duke, no, David Duke and Farrakhan I see as analogs. Well, well you know, there's, there's a real life. Uh, there's a real life example, counterexample to this too. If you think about it, I, you know, I, and I think having sort of the public, having the public platform is, is, is you know, is, is sort of the key variable here too. Is I mean, when you think about Obama and uh, was it Jeremiah Wright, his pastor? Oh, yeah, Reverend so Wright. Yeah, he denounced him. So there's sort of so there's a two cases, I guess, to juxtapose against each other here. Right, I, and I I don't know where where I. You know, I have a particular opinion one way or another on this, but but at least in terms of a of, of, of two cases. Well, so so I am happy that you brought up that comparison, right? Because I actually, because I, I know that they, on the surface they seem the same, but I really don't think they are. Like I think of the Reverend Wright as being all like he's squarely like in the tradition of Black liberation theology, and I actually think that a lot of the the footage and the tapes that they have of him, like those were totally taken out of context, I see. right? Yeah, and. Right. And so those were taken out of context. But then Obama was like, hmm, which is going to be easier to like try and explain yeah. to the American people that these were taken out of context sure. and this is actually what he means or <laughs> just throw yeah. him under the bus. I'm going to throw him under the bus. Well, right. Actually, though, I, I think that's the, that's the more fu fundamental point I, I was trying to get at is, is really sort of here of, of the context of it. And I, I guess this got back to our, our earlier discussion, too, in, in, in talking about the. The, the events, the MAGA, the, the yeah. MAGA thing. Uh, but in in the sense here about it's 
perhaps it, it, you know it, it, it really is all about uh, about public uh, public interpretation of, of of an issue just as much as uh, sort of the, the the substance behind behind the individual right um, in, in in the case of, of Obama there right as you said just something here taken out of context but yet the public the public conceptions have have consequences in, in essence it's the same thing that that occurred here in, in terms of, of being identified with uh, with Farrakhan yeah, and and also too, I mean, and then going back to Joe's point, though, right? So again, like in thinking about leadership, like you know, I mean, like people are a little screwy, right? I mean, like a person could think that what it is they're doing is for a bigger cause mm-hmm. when they're really doing it for their own kind of personal like power or uh or fame or whatever right um and 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 part of it so i could see how mallory might be thinking to herself like i'm gonna sort of stick to my guns because i care about this cause Mm -hmm. and that's what's important. And I've been able to bring all of these different people to the table. I'm not going to get scared out of leadership. Right. Um, while at the same time, she could also in saying to herself, this movement means more to me than anything else. Also look at it and say, huh, maybe by me being part of the leadership, I'm actually, I'm hurting the movement. Hmm. So, so I don't know, like, I'm not her, right? Yeah. Uh, if I were her, I think what I think I would have stepped down from from leadership. Um, but, uh, but I can't, but I can't speak for her. I wasn't in that room when those, um, when those alleged conversations took part. So Howard, do you want to touch this with the 20 foot pole or? Well, I mean, when I look at the Women's March and I look at the issue, I think of just contemporary mobilization more generally. So I kind of look at it, you know, not only at the lens of the controversy, but just the difficulty it is today to create a movement. You know, unlike the the age of Martin Luther King, where there were churches and clear kind of oriented goals, we now have a society that has so many micro uh, subdivisions to it that it's really hard to get, uh, you know, a broad march on something that should be widespread. That, you know, women of of any faith, of uh, of any color, of any class, are, are facing a, a number of similar issues. I mean, certainly there are differences when you get look at those intersections, but it's very hard to mobilize people in in one continuous space. And I just think of what you know, as Leslie was saying, like why do people show up to the march? And they show up not for necessarily the specifics, and, and you see this in hashtag movements as well, that they're they're responding to the broader issue, and everybody comes there with a different uh, set of reasons. And, and so I find that you know when I kind of look at the the women's march, and this year there were fewer people than the last few years. I just think of just the difficulty of trying to get people to to share a space and share a common goal. Hmm. Can I ask a question to uh, Leslie and, and Howard on this? Um, something that struck me too is what I was wondering is is you know I've heard the criticisms of, of intersectionality as sort of a, in, in terms of a, of a political rhetoric. Um, are are we seeing that sort of here? And well, it, the criticism being such that um, it it can get away from fundamental issues and it's so focused on cleaving by by different sorts of, of intersections that ultimately it it's it pits it pits groups against each other ultimately uh, you know, be, be, 
because of these, uh, you know, I, I'm of this and this and this versus someone is of this and this and then in terms of in terms of identity or ideology or, or, or what have you. I mean, is this a is this a, an empirical case to be to be thinking about how that uh, how how an intersectional sort of uh, um, uh, a political orientation ultimately in a way divides and conquers or, you know, in terms of thinking about mobilization for a greater good or? Well, certainly it creates complications. I, I think of the Toronto um, Pride March where divisions ended up emerging between Black Lives Matters and the organizers uh, of, of the march. And it led to a, a protest in the march that, that shut down the march. And, uh, you know, it was a matter of in, intersectionality. And I think it's important to kind of look at uh, intersections and the differences that occur within causes and movements. Uh, but certainly taken to its extreme, it becomes me first politics. And over the last five or 10 years, this is kind of the politics that we've been promoting, uh, not just yeah. on the left and in terms of movements, but the, the mainstream politic as well. Yeah, and in me thinking specifically about the women's movement, right? I mean, and 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 thinking about intersectionality. I mean, historically speaking, uh, you know, it like the movement was not uh, a space, uh, a space where many people, where many women who who weren't cisgender, who weren't heterosexual, right, who weren't white and who weren't at least middle class felt like they had a space. And even if they did have a space, they were there merely for the optics. Mm -hmm. Like that's what they were valued for. Mm -hmm. See, we have diversity within our movement, but their voices were not valued. And part of me kind of feels like, you know, maybe instead of thinking about this as like negative and being like, oh, it's so fractured, look at this, there is no one voice, is maybe what we should be thinking about this is like like a movement or a newer movement in its infancy, which is allowing everyone to like sort of be seen and be like, oh, this is what it feels like to be seen. This is what it feels like to be heard, right? Mm -hmm. And once we get it established that like, okay, everyone you see, you all got to have your say, you all got to be seen. Now that we've established like a certain baseline level of equality, maybe now we can get to the table and actually start like hammering out what this agenda really looks like. Well, certainly I would agree with you, Leslie, that, you know, a successful movement is a movement that's able to have humility and that's able to kind of go through the stumbling blocks of figuring out what that common space is and and being inclusive, because certainly this is a problem with a lot of movements that it excludes people at the the cost of the goals that it says that it's trying to pursue. But ain't I a woman, though, right? I mean, that's the question, right? Exactly. You've been listening to The Annex, an academic sociology podcast. You can visit our show site at sociocast.org slash annex. We are on Twitter at Sociannex and on Facebook, The Annex Sociology Podcast. Our producer is Laseth Moreno. Music by Lena Orsa. I'm Joseph Cohen. Thank you for listening. <laughs>